0: This is Gotham TV Podcast, episode 66, about Gotham, Season 2, Wrath of the Villains, episode 14, This Ball of Mud and Meanness. Hey, this is Drew Powell. I play Butch Zine on Gotham, and you are listening to Gotham TV podcast. Welcome back, Gothamites, to episode sixty-six of our podcast covering Gotham season two, episode fourteen. This ball of mud and meanness. I tend to forget to put in the wrath of the villains when I'm talking about the uh, the season two of this podcast. But I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hi, I'm one of your other hosts, John. Yeah, it gets very long when you stick that in, doesn't it? It certainly does. Oh, long, long old season. We had a discussion during the week about it uh, on our on our Facebook group over at facebook.com slash groups slash Gotham TV podcast uh, that the season was split into Rise of the Villains and Wrath of the Villains just from a marketing perspective and one of our listeners was asking about whether uh, if there's going to be another subtitle later on in the season but it does seem like we're going to get a split into even parts of of rise and wrath of the villains rather than season 1 and or well season 2 and season 2.5 uh this season but uh interesting lots of stuff going on in this episode doesn't it John
1: absolutely the the uh, title threw me somewhat this this week i kind of half expected i know there'd been um the suggestion that Clayface was going to uh, appear and so with seeing this ball of mud and meanness Ooh. I kind of thought there might be a hint uh, to that of course maybe Patrick matches Malone maybe he becomes Clayface <laughs> possibly but I don't know enough about Clayface <laughs> yes. as a character or his origins to know whether maybe it is or maybe it isn't but I kind of slightly wondered whether we might see Clayface uh, in, in this episode, but we didn't. No. It was very different, but very, very good. Really teed up um, the young Bruce Wayne, definitely down the path of um, Batman for sure
0: yeah yeah definitely a very Bruce-centric episode uh, but listeners before we get into our podcast about our discussion of this episode uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast over on iTunes just by going through our own direct link at GothamTVPodcast.com slash iTunes you can subscribe to the podcast there and you can pick us up every episode when we re- when we release a new one uh, you can also pick us up at any other good podcast catcher just by searching Gotham TV Podcast and clicking the subscribe button over there uh, make sure you do leave us a review on either iTunes ITunes or on another good podcast catcher if you can uh, just helps so other people find our episodes as well and also give some good feedback to us always always good to know how we're doing uh, and if you want to send us any notes or thoughts about the episodes you can come and join the Facebook group as I mentioned just by going to Facebook.com slash groups Gotham TV podcast or sending an email to us at feedback at Gotham TV podcast.com and finally, you can also follow us over on Twitter, at Gotham TV Podcast, where we live-tweet the episodes every Monday night as they air in the UK and Ireland, on Channel 5 at 10pm. With that, I think it's time to get into this
1: episode. I think it is, absolutely. Derek, what are some of the production notes for this episode?
0: Well, this episode was directed by John Baring. This is the second episode he's done for Gotham. We, previously, he directed uh, f- uh, The Fearsome Dr. Crane, uh, episode 14 of season one. So he seems to get the 14th episode of each season. Um, we also have the episode written by Jordan Harper, who's, uh, this will be his third episode. Uh, previously, he wrote below the Hammer, the second last episode of season one. And he wrote Scarification, episode five of this season. So uh, some, some veteran Gotham hands behind the camera this time. Uh, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us in your...
1: Hugo Strange continues his questionable tests on Oswald Cobblepot, and after he passes the ice cream test, Strange declares him sane and releases him from Arkham. However, a bemused Oswald is unleashed on Gotham, unaware that Professor Strange still has a plan in store for him. Esnigma is also beginning to concoct plans of his own towards a certain Jim Gordon, after uncollected paychecks has Leslie Tompkins and Jim asking uncomfortable questions about Christine Kringle's whereabouts and her disappearance from the GCPD. Meanwhile, Alfred and Selena help Bruce on his investigation to find his parents' killer, Patrick Matches Malone. After Alfred is forced into a fight in an underground fight club, landing him in hospital, Bruce must continue his hunt alone. He locates and confronts Malone, who appears to confess his involvement in the murder of Bruce's parents. But despite vengeance being close, Bruce steps back from killing Malone, and instead takes a surprisingly different path. That will put him on the road to a life of defending Gotham. That's some really cool stuff in this
0: episode, but it definitely a darker episode than we've seen in the past. There's some uh, the kind of humour came a bit from Oswald's storyline a bit, which is weird to say when you're talking about uh, someone who's getting tortured and getting a uh, getting their mind reshaped. I suppose so that, but that did add some of the humour of the episode. But a lot of it was quite dark, really overall.
1: It was, but having said that. I did seem to identify a lot more Batman 66 moments in this episode. And maybe it was because it was so dark that then they really stood out to me. And it wasn't anything massive, but I have a few of them um, for my five points because they did stand out so, Mm -hmm. so much. Um, And I think with that, I will go into my first point, my first case point, which is... um, The ice cream test, I think to me, this was straight out of uh, Batman 66, Mm -hmm. but it did have that weird, creepy, disturbing aspect to it, which is Hugo Strange's uh, experiments on Oswald. Um, whatever psychedelic uh, techniques and and drugs that he's using. We see good old Gertrude Koppelpot back here for a brief short stint. She gets killed again, no doubt. Sorry, John, but it's Koppelpot. (laughs) Koppelpot, indeed. And she uh, gets snotted again, this time with a baseball bat, by her lovely uh, son. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this hallucinogenic kind of trippy... uh, testing and experimentation that Hugo uh, is doing to to Oswald uh, leads to this ice cream test and and the fact that he's given a nice big dollop of ice cream uh, (laughs) instead of um, what all the other inmates are getting. And, of course, um, all the other inmates suddenly are looking to want a piece of Copper Pot's ice cream. And what does he do but cowers and and doesn't defend his ice cream Mm -hmm. from certain swiping? (laughs) And then later on, um, what we see is that the, the protagonist against Oswald, who kind of really bullies him into uh, giving up his ice cream, is tied in a chair. Oswald is led in. There are knives, chisels, saws, you name it, uh, all of Oswald's weapons of choice. Uh, and he simply undoes um All the the knots uh, and the ties with the knife uh, and allows the guy to go rather than extracting any revenge, i.e., showing that Strange's techniques, his work, is starting to bring results. And because of all this, then he is declared sane and he is unleashed onto an unsuspecting Gotham. The GCPD aren't informed that he's been released. I know. Um, And this is all rather interesting because we do know that strange has an appreciation that there is something there between jim gordon and oswald Cobblepot from last episode so he does have a plan for him what that will be and how that will pan out um it's going to be really interesting to see. But again, you know, we have the ice cream test here. And I, I thought that was a really nice, wacky motif for, for something that ultimately was quite dark. So th- this was a great little uh, point here. And again, this would be one of my Batman 66 moments mm-hmm. from this. Uh, the whole thing smacked of. Of Michael Keaton's Batman, definitely it was so dark and gothic feel. And then I would say that the final part with uh, the young Bruce Wayne felt very Chris Nolan Batman. Yes. And um, so really uh, taking from all these different um, previous legacies of Batman on film and, and on TV. So it was really good. Really good. Yeah, absolutely, and
0: great to see Carol Kane back as Gertrude put. Uh, not Always nice to see her in the show. Uh, you can always think of that about Gotham if a character disappears or dies or gets shot or stabbed. Uh, hopefully, we will see them back again in the future. Uh, one of the interesting ones here in the uh, in the i suppose the ice cream test it is in fact aaron helsinger the last surviving member of the maniacs that tries to take the ice cream from from oswald so uh i think the only other the only other maniac probably would be uh, jessica lucas's um tabitha gallivan but she wasn't really a particular member of the group all the rest of them are either in a coma being cloned possibly in indian hill or uh now back in arkham so
1: there you go absolutely uh derek what's your first point
0: My first point is one of my favourite scenes that turned into possibly a badly judged ending uh, which is a Batman 66 moment in itself I suppose uh, which is Alfred's fight with Cupcake um, really liked this, loved how badass Alfred was uh, really telling Bruce and teaching Bruce some of the rules of fighting, uh, making sure that you just uh, stay in the fight long enough with a big guy and then you can take them out um, really good, really enjoyed that that scene, seeing Alfred really being able to kick some butt, um, he is a good fighter we've seen that in the past but uh, some of these scenes are really well put together within, within the fight and uh, showing off the fact that he does have some skill in uh, in battling with with big men like this. Only problem for me is that final moment of the scene when he does the the uh, the Looney Tunes uh, look to camera and and saying "Did someone call my name?" and then falls flat on his face. It was it just seemed it misjudged. Was, it
1: was very. It was more Laurel and Hardy than it was uh, Batman, uh, or indeed Alfred Pennyworth. Uh-huh. It, it was. Um, a bit of an odd moment after successfully defeating the guy that he would be the one ending up on the floor, passed out unconscious, and then in hospital, in hospital. again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my other points, and I'll just link it in here, is definitely, again, another, well, it's the bullockism for me of, of this week is where Alfred is in hospital recovering. Jim and uh, Harvey are the and he says that Bruce has gone off on his own looking for Patrick Maloney's probably going to kill him. And it's like Harvey's, we're the police. You shouldn't be telling us this. <laughs> um, and then he 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 says it again. He goes, again, we're the police. You really shouldn't be telling us this. Like, yeah, do you not understand? He <laughs> could arrest you for involvement in this. Yep. Um. And I, but I, I love the fact that. I, I like the fact that Alfred was in hospital again and it, and it was picked out within the this episode by Harvey himself saying, mm-hmm. you know, you're back in here. What, is this the third time he's been in hospital? Yes, yeah.
0: Um, and isn't it Jim as well when he answers the phone uh, hearing that Alfred's in hospital we don't hear the other side of the conversation, but Jim goes, oh, again, all right, I'll be there soon. (laughs) You know, it seems to be the running gag for Alfred and probably a very good reason why Alfred will actually stay inside Wayne Manor. Uh, And that's how we meet him in future. He's very much the butler that opens the door and doesn't actually go out into the city because he keeps going back and back into hospital. Despite being a very competent fighter, as we see in this episode, um, he does seem to get back into that hospital quite often.
1: Yeah, I mean, I loved the fight as well. I loved him teaching Bruce whilst he's doing it. But yeah, I mean, for me, it just... Um, Unfortunately, like Alfred, fell flat um, at the end (laughs) where he does the whole comedy swoon thing. Um, I mean, I laughed, but for all the wrong reasons. And I mean, that you know, maybe they've just slightly misjudged um, a a particular part of this scene when that happens. But nonetheless, everything... Um, before that was great, and everything after actually the fact that he lands back in hospital mm-hmm. and how they really play up that uh, Jim and Harvey, I really liked as well um i I just wish maybe he had actually gotten knocked out by cupcake,
0: yeah, you know or or just had Bruce carry him out at the end you know and and support him walking out of the place at the end as the surviving champion, I suppose you know um i like I like that idea as well, you know, uh, but yeah really enjoyed it liked the um, liked the interplay at the start, where uh, effectively Alfred's trying to be the leader and tell Bruce, you know, I, uh, I'm I'm going to do all the talking here, but Bruce is the one that steps up, showing that he is still Bruce Wayne, he is still that strong uh, character that will always take the lead if he feels something go- something is going out of his control. Uh, love those little touches in the scene as well, John.
1: What's your next point? My next point is just that little nod back to the director of the episode who did um, Jonathan Crane. The, the the arc there mm-hmm. the, one of the episodes of that arc I should say and um, we do hear right at the start that the the techniques being used by Hugo and Miss Peabody uh, these vivid hallucinations that are being used to test Oswald are, are are from the matching the crane formula to their techniques so that That's was right. a nice little nod back and I really I think the reason why I'm using this as a note is because I really want to see Jonathan Crane back in this uh, series. I thought the the guy, I can't remember his name now, who played um, Jonathan Crane was absolutely superb. I I loved the the aesthetic that he he had uh, and what he brought to the young Scarecrow. And I loved how that ending of him writhing around in the hospital ward, uh, seeing this... Scarecrow coming at him, you know, this whole hallucination. I, I love that. And so it was really nice to get that reference in here. And I hope it's more than just a reference. I hope it, it really is uh, where we do get to see um, Jonathan Crane back in this uh, series. Maybe he will be down in Indian Hill. And I have to say now how and what a great device Indian Hill is Absolutely. for this series because they are able to bring these characters back uh, because of just how sort of subversive indian hill is both of wayne enterprises and of just humanity it's like the frankenstein lab i really like that
0: yeah yeah definitely i think it's a, I think it's a great touch isn't it um the actor that played uh, Jonathan Crane was Charlie Tahan, who played him in the first season. Ah, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'd love to see him back. He's a, definitely a working actor and has had is currently doing another show as well at the moment. But could definitely come back in for an episode, and it would be a great way to use it, the idea that he was taken off into into madness at the end of uh, at the end of season one, episode fourteen. Um, yeah, really good, nice little touch. I love when they do these kind of nods back, where um, where they're able to now nod back to their own history and not just connecting to the comic books. You know, they're able to now create their own Gotham uh, mythology almost you know it is the city that's starting to create things that are going on which does lead me quite nicely into my next point uh, which is jerry uh, the the this excellent new kind of joker Joker-alite, I guess, or mannix uh maybe you'd call her, uh, played by Laurie Petty, who I used to absolutely used to love the film Tank Girl, um, which I've watched hundreds of times, one of those weird m- movies that just caught me the right way, and I watched it loads when I was a kid. She played the main character in that film. And in this, she plays the kind of... Person that's following in Jerome's footsteps and the maniac's footsteps, but actually turns out to be quite a nice character and kind of friendly to Bruce, really, uh, which I which I actually enjoyed. But what I do like about this is, again, Gotham using one of their characters like Jerome and kind of creating this cult around them, uh, setting up this idea of why there would be henchmen available for someone like the Joker when they do come in to the city, because uh, these people are being inspired by this darkness that's rising within the city of gotham Joe, jerome as he died said there would be a legacy left behind him and people would remember him this is the legacy he's speaking about this underground club that's opened up where they're constantly playing the, the footage of him taking over the gcpd uh, all that footage of the maniacs killing the people that be throwing them off the um off the building uh, episode two i think it was of this season um i think that's really interesting that they're able to do that they're able to reference back to themselves and show what effect previous episodes have had on the future of Gotham? I suppose, and this character of of Jerry is a really good idea, uh, bringing in the idea of you know someone drawing the smile on their face. Why would they do that? Well, they saw a guy on TV who just constantly laughed and smiled. You know, um, I like those little reference points.
1: Yeah, it's, it's nice how this kind of punkness um, is coming into it. This this worship of, of the crazy, the, the the chaotic strands of Gotham are, are, Being gradually uh, highlighted within the series, you know, you can see them evolving and developing all the way through uh, the series. And, And that is really, really good. You know, that it doesn't just stop at Jerome's death, that it does have this long lasting legacy i still really wish they have the the red hood coming up as well yeah that, that there is that legacy still there we saw that there was a a hand down of the red hood but i really thought um the joker lady jerry was really cool um i i loved um i was i was slightly unsure about how this was going to play out because i thought oh no here's just another character who who's going to have you know crazy smile look on their face uh, and you know, how meaningful is it going to be? And it ended up that this was really meaningful. Um, I really liked her um, portrayal here. I loved how um she wasn't crazy at all. Be- behind that mask, she was actually, as you say, this really nice lady um, who got the measure of Bruce and later on also got the measure of Jim Gordon. I mean, I did love that interrogation scene where she goes, the rumours about you are true. You are angry. Angry is your thing. Yeah. Um, and she really actually puts him to task. So it's something I never even thought of. That you know, not only has Leslie questioned him, not only has Captain Barnes questioned him, but now we just have like this regular club owner. Okay, she's it's a cult or a, a worship to the maniacs and to Jerome. But behind it, really. She's maybe not all that crazy at all. She's just having a good time. It, it's punk. It's the punk era, Absolutely. almost. And um, that's how she sees it. And, and she's like going, you know, you are angry. It's mm-hmm. not us who are angry. It's you. You're the one frustrated, um, contained, feeling um, all this sort of internal pressure. And you're the one that's bringing it out with anger and shouting and quite frankly, dubious acts. I love that. I thought that was really good. I love the bit of advice that she gave to to Bruce. And you see Bruce acknowledges as well. And she, you know, she goes, he's going to be pleased to see you after telling him where um, Patrick Malone is. And she goes, it's like fate. And then that, that must make me God. And like, I love that. I oh, thought that was brilliant. a really nice little line. And, um, you know, She, she just like give me a reason why I should tell you where he is. All, all these different elements really made this character work so well. I was so glad that um, Joker Lady has now been introduced into the world of gotham i hope we see her again actually
0: yeah yeah definitely i'd love to see jerry back definitely Uh, really good touch Uh, another nice touch in the episode was actually a reference to uh, frank miller's dark knight returns um which is that the gang that hang out at the club are called the mutants which are the uh, the people that effectively are still kind of running gotham when the dark knight returns in Frank Miller's seminal graphic novel from 1996. I uh, t- like that idea that the mutants are in existence as a gang within Gotham. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, overall, really nice introduction to this character. Hopefully we'll see her back in future. Great to see Larry Poutty back on our screens. Absolutely. And I think she's actually also in Orange is the New Black as well. Must uh, must check out the latest season of that and see a bit more of her stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John, what's your next point? Uh, my next point is, and you'll have to bear with me... Okay. I'm not a question mark, Jim. I'm a goddamn <laughs> police detective. <laughs> I really uh, loved the the end of this. Absolutely iconic with the the green question mark over the picture of Jim torn out of the newspaper by Enigma. Mm-hmm. You know who is um, increasingly got a furrowed brow and um, looking furly. Um, uh, dark uh, uh, and mysterious in, in in lamplight in shadow at uh, various stages of this episode and um, but i really liked um the fact that thankfully someone has noticed that christine kringle has gone well yeah um, obviously hr don't really give too much uh, <laughs> uh thought to their employees at the gcpd you know uncollected un- paychecks you know, Leslie's starting to now follow up on her kind of initial worry that she had expressed to, to Ed Nigma. She asks Gordon to kind of look into it some more. And of course, Gordon goes to uh, Ed Nigma, um And with Gordon, you just wonder, um, it, it's one of those things, he probably does have some suspicion there of Ed Nigma because he does know that Ed has some connection with Oswald. So that side of ed enigma that no one else knows about jim is fully aware of but i, th- I do think he is still just asking questions because obviously ed enigma went out with her mm-hmm. um but this has really spooked uh the riddler now really got his kind of back up. he's concerned that jim is trying to outfox him maybe lead him into a trap think of him as a bit of a fool that he will ultimately Get ensnared by Jim in any kind of follow up to some of these initial questions. So he's obviously starting to think he's got to try and protect himself. And I presume at the last um, few scenes there with Ed Nigma doing the classic green question mark over uh, Jim, he's working out a way to try and take Jim off. Any kind of lead that would lead him ultimately to himself, Enigma. Yeah, so take the the hound dog off the scent, and that I loved. I really good to see the the green question mark for the first time. You know, this is. A few iconic elements come into this episode, and this is one of them. Really good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the green lights of uh, of Ace Chemicals shining in through the window again. Really cool. Love that touch as well. Uh, on, I must say, just to answer your question on the poor HR department, they've probably lost about 30 of the GCPD this season, <laughs> since the season started, uh, You know, with the Maniacs and, obviously, uh, Mr. Freeze, killing about six or seven last week. They've probably got quite a little bit of a backlog of people not picking up their paychecks and maybe they're not being it's not being reported back to them quickly enough. Uh but yeah, no, I I really did like this. Uh, one of the elements of it is obviously in the center of the G C P D um Enigma losing it and saying to jim or saying out loud to himself i suppose saying uh, well if you've got plans i can make plans i was just wondering about the death sergeant that was sitting directly beside him as to whether he was going to notice that, that ed was talking quite loudly to himself in slightly crazy manner um but really did enjoy the scene though really i, I like this kind of stuff as the madness of uh, of nigma is really taking over um but yeah yeah really cool and again, nice to see some follow up on poor Christian Kringle's death because you'd hope, you know, if any of your coworkers goes missing, you would hope that somebody would notice, uh, not just the one person that dated them, you know. Yeah, absolutely. She seemed I mean, like p- quite a popular person. Like,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, and I think actually, just one of my notes that I want to bring in at this moment, like they've, they're addressing Christian Kringle, and that's fantastic. And of course, they've got other stories to, to 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 put out on, on an episode by episode basis, so that's fine. You you can see why her storyline. Um, isn't there all the time? Yeah. Absolutely, and and you know when you think of real time, it may only be a couple of weeks or something like that. So, okay, that's fine. One of the things I am kind of interested in at the moment is the fact that um, after Bruce was um, kidnapped by Galavan, mm-hmm. we did have Lucius Fox come out of the Bat Cave, going, "I've cracked open the computer, absolutely, and now it's gone." We've not heard a squeak now for the last three episodes, I think it is, or or four episodes. So I'm kind of like, this is a really big deal because it it was the first thing that really kicked off this season. It was there at episode 10 or 11 where Lucius comes out just after Galavan has kidnapped uh, Bruce Wayne. So that must be episode 11. Yeah, it must be episode 11. Um, And then we've not heard anything more. And, like, you would think that Lucius would be... Either in and around Wayne Manor, still obviously Bruce and Alfred are, even though I know they've been to Geneva and all this, but mm-hmm. it, it seems a bit continuity wise, it's a bit odd that, but yeah.
0: Uh, particularly given that Bruce and Alfred have, were both in w- what we're calling the Batcave. Uh, they were both in there uh, where Bruce left the note for Alfred and obviously Bru- Alfred picking it up. So um, they've been down there right there with the computer. So you know, just turn it on, find out the details. You know. Yeah. Doesn't so, not take that long. Maybe they don't have the password to log in now or something. No, and uh,
1: look, I mean, it is going to come out, but I just think sometimes that... Okay, this is a bit odd now that it's taken this number of episodes mm-hmm. for for it to get there, and seemingly Bruce doesn't care about this computer anymore. Yeah, um, now
0: that he's gone off to live on the streets yeah, as well. Because yeah, because it's
1: more than just Wayne Enterprises. So... Um, it's going to come back in, obviously, but and I'd love to just see now when it does and how it comes back in. Mm-hmm. And this will be really good to see, but it, it's a bit odd now. I'm starting to think, okay, will it be in the next one or will it be in the next one? When will Lucius finally, after racing out of the Batcave, the proto-Batcave, uh, to tell Alfred and Bruce what he's just found on, on the hard drive of the, of the repaired computer? Um, what... Is it going to be? Yeah, this is starting to build the suspense for me. So, like, it's got to be really revelatory. I think.
0: I hope so. I hope so. But it, it does feel like it's going to be one of those ones we're now in episode fourteen. So it feels like it might be something around episode eighteen or nineteen that we will that will hear about it. Because who's he going to tell now? Bruce is out in the streets, and Alfred's probably not as interested in getting into the computer. He never wanted in there in the first place. So, um, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Definitely. Uh, but I think I think it's time to get on to the big point. Of the episode, I suppose mm. we finally is that cupcake. <laughs> we got <a> cupcake. <laughs> We've we gone cupcake. past cupcake. Let's move on to the main cake.
1: And cupcake. <laughs> and cupcake is a Batman sixty six thing. I mean, just his name. Certainly, you know, the 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 big brawler guy in the underground fight club to be called cupcake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Or twinkle toes, you know, something (laughs) like that.
0: Um, I guess that is a bit of an ironic thing, as Alfred says. (laughs) Yeah, like that. Uh, No, the big moment in the episode, obviously, is the showdown between Bruce and and Matches and Patrick Matches Malone. Uh, Really enjoyed it. One of the first things that I picked up on it was as Bruce walks up to the door, knocks on it. The door opens, and the first thing we see of Matches Malone are his shoes. A uh, little reference for the long term Gothamites. Uh, back to season one, episode one, and episode two, where we found out the one piece of evidence we had on the murder of Bruce Wayne's parents was that he wore shiny shoes. I rewound this Matches' shoes don't look that shiny. They don't, or at the very least, it doesn't look like the kind of guy that shines his shoes regularly enough that you would pick that out as being a distinctive feature of him. Um, so it made me wonder instantly, just that moment, made me wonder if the whole story that matches is talking about, if he is actually the killer or not, even though he confessed to it and even though he told Bruce, I'm still wondering, is have we found our killer? Or was he making up the story because he wanted Bruce to kill him?
1: Absolutely. That That's how I kind of took it. And in the end, I think Bruce pulls out of that Because it's his viewpoint that we see looking down at the shoes. It is Bruce Wayne who is looking down to see his shoes. Are Mm -hmm. they shiny? Now, we do hear that it is two years later. So, you know, unless he has his special go-out-killing shoes... then he is obviously going to have worn them in uh, somewhat. I I know exactly what you're saying, and I think that was the point of that shot. Yes. Um, and I think it's part of the reason, maybe, that Bruce doesn't fully buy into what he's saying. He realises that whilst matches may have done the deed, I think Bruce is unsure that he did actually do that. Mm. I think he's probably still got Jerry's um, voice ringing in his ears, which is saying, he'll be pleased to see you. I. It's an excuse for you to kill him. Or you know, for him to get out of this business, he's obviously down on his luck, he's drinking, he's fairly philosophical about his place in the world, what he's doing, Uh, and I mean here this seems to me to be a desperate man wanting to get out of whatever situation he is in. It could also be that that situation is he's still caught between his former employer who asked him to do that deed, and and their power and and pressure Mm -hmm. and the fact maybe he can't move around like he used to. Maybe he's fairly curtailed in what he can do. Otherwise, he might get shot or killed or exposed or whatever. Yeah. And um, so there's a lot that could be going on here, I think. And I think Bruce ultimately realizes, well, he's not the person that ordered the kill. He's the one that did it, and that's ultimately his job. He's made that distinction here. He's looked down at the shoes, he's heard what Jerry said, and maybe he's just saying he's not confident enough to kill him, and ultimately, through talking with Matches Malone, he realises he's got to do more than just simply get to the... the the root of the evil in Wayne Enterprises and the murderers of his parents because if he starts fighting evil with evil, it's just a gang warfare. Exactly. It's not justice. Yeah. Um, And it's a really fantastic spark that comes into um, Bruce Wayne's head.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do really enjoy that moment of realisation that Bruce has when talking to matches when he says, I wanted you to be a monster, but you're not a monster. You're just a man if I kill you, that doesn't really solve anything. He's saying really that you can't finish uh, everything that's happened since his parents were killed by resorting to revenge because it won't solve anything at all. And potentially, as you say, he may be just realizing that some, if you're on a revenge streak, somebody could use you as their tool to kill people that they want to be killed. Or people could use you as their tool to kill themselves, which is what I think this character of matches was trying to do. Trying to get Bruce to kill him and take him out. Maybe he was the one that killed the Waynes. Maybe he was. But it felt like his explanation only came after Bruce said, do you remember we? my parents and myself were together? We walked down a dark alley. He seemed to not recognize it. And then Bruce said, and then my mom had the pearl necklace, which you broke. And his response to was, yes, and the pearls went everywhere. Oh, yeah. And your mom was blonde and your dad was well-dressed. And it's like, well, it's Bruce Wayne. You know what the Waynes are going to look like, obviously. He's told you that the necklace is broken. Obviously, pearls are going to go everywhere if he's told you the necklace is broken. So there was no real information that he gave him that he may not have picked up from the story. So maybe he's not the killer. But I like the realization that Bruce has that you can't become just a tool of vengeance, killing everything in your path. Or else people will use you to do that for them. And then you become the villain, uh, which I really like. It's like a Nolan revelation, as as you mentioned
1: yeah absolutely really really good scene it really connects in well and i suppose this is kind of my final point um into uh bruce leaving the 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 written letter to to alfred and that realization that he's communicating to alfred i mean alfred says he's gone mad like alfred yeah. still doesn't understand it that um bruce is going to be with selena sleep on the streets in order to absorb the streets and that's something out of nolan's and um, batman begins where bruce goes down on his look you know grows the shabby beard goes mm-hmm. off goes into prison goes to the um the tibetan mountains to to the monastery and um, all of that in a different way you know is what the young bruce wayne is doing here by going and sleeping on the streets with selena becoming a street urchin learning the life of the street the rhythms of the street and all of this that is going to be hugely important to a billionaire who has been absolutely divorced from any of those kind of patterns and into being able to fight them for justice um, and and the batman way
0: absolutely yeah (laughs)
1: <laughs> I like that.
0: That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, no, I really like that scene and I loved, I loved this close out of the episode, you know, a, a good voiceover leading you to uh, to know where, where Bruce is going to be, uh, what he's doing, why he's doing it. Uh, I love some of the touches around it where you see the car driving past and the guy in the back of the car is getting two bullets to the head as Bruce is walking directly by the car, um, just setting up the fact this is not a place where bruce should be uh this is not a, a safe environment just because he's with selena it's not going to be an easy trip for him so hopefully we do get to see a bit of the two of them on the street And so this isn't just um they're going to disappear for three or four episodes uh, and we'll see them back and bruce is a stronger and different character and um, i hope we're going to see some of the adventures of uh of selena and bruce on the streets of gotham it would be quite cool
1: derek have you got any more notes
0: yeah, I think that kind of encapsulates my final points as well. Um, but I do have yeah a couple of notes. Just the the actual speech from matches to Bruce, I really enjoyed. Um, where he says, "I might as well call you son because I made you like Gotham made me, uh, therefore I'm your father." Kind of thing. I thought that was a really nice, a really nice touch. Um, obviously, Oswald being officially released as a sane person into the streets of Gotham, as you mentioned, is a really interesting choice. You know, is he sane? Is he brainwashed? Will the brainwashing fail in you know a week's time? And he's back being Oswald. And is that the plan of Strange? Is that what he wants? You know? He wants to see something that he's done as being a success. But does he really care if the penguin returns? You know? Um, thought that was quite interesting. I was expecting from the conversations of those two characters over the last few weeks that actually Oswald would become a presentation piece that he would use at conferences and that kind of thing, where he would say, This is what my tools and this is what my manipulation can do. We can turn one of one of Gotham's greatest criminals into a person who wouldn't hurt a fly, you know. Um, I thought that that's the way they were going to go, but to see him with the sane sign in front of him, walking out the door or waddling out the door, uh, I thought looking was looking
1: decidedly insane. Yes, um, <laughs> a little more insane. Really, yeah. really funny, absolutely. absolutely. Um, John, any other notes about the episode? I just um, I love when Selena passes uh, Bruce the handgun, and she goes, "You know, this is not for show. It's not for protection. Um, they're only uh." Only for one thing, mm-hmm. I thought that was a really nice little line. Um, you know, this idea of, um, you know, why do people want or have or carry guns? Um, yeah, and I, I thought that was quite a nice, neat little way of encapsulating all of that. It's only for one thing, and it's to kill people, yeah, and um, whatever other motives you may want to assign to it it's designed to be fired and to kill people um she's, yes. and she's really laying that out on the table for bruce to understand um from here on out
0: yeah totally agree a good little moment from selena and that's exactly what the gun did in the end it did kill matches uh, even though it wasn't at the hands of bruce it did uh, it did take his life in the end so that's our notes and points about episode 14 of gotham overall about the episode john what did you think
1: No, I liked it. I thought it was a solid, good episode. I I really, um, I think Bruce Wayne's story just really absolutely flew out at me here. Um, And I I think just seeing the the green question mark as well, these were the things that really sort of hit home for me from this episode. Um, I think um, as well, Jerry was a really good character, a really good new character. And I'd love to see her again um i'm loving hugo strange as always i think the only thing that maybe um the slight negative i would have is because it was so dark um some of the the more obvious lighter moments either didn't connect such as alfred falling that in other episodes may have actually worked maybe um or to me, they really did stand out as Batman 66 moments, but they still worked. So that that's fine. Um, but I think overall, I would really... I think this is a strong episode as well for the whole mythos of Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, not just within Gotham, but, I mean, wider. You know, it shows him really realising he has to fight crime by knowing what the streets of Gotham are like and that it, killing is not the answer. Um, it's really just... You know, we've seen, I suppose, the Riddler form uh, over a, a long time now with um, the character of of Ed Nigma, and, and we've seen him maybe turning into the Riddler like at least twice. But here we just have the motif come in for the first time—the yeah. real strong motif of the question mark—and um, so really iconic aspects here from from this episode. Definitely. And I think that's why I would really give this. Um, four cupcakes out of out of five <laughs> with a, with a lovely cherry on top as nice, well nice. Uh, because it is a strong episode there were a couple of things that as i say fell flat mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but it was a really strong episode um i think they do need to bring lucius fox's revelation of yeah. what's on the computer back in yeah. um that will come hopefully in time uh, it'll be interesting to see when it does come and how it uh, is brought into the the series uh, again but i uh, really thought this was a strong good episode
0: yeah yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Uh, exactly the same kind of scoring, maybe without the cherries on top uh, for me. But um, but overall, really good. Liked seeing Bruce and Alfred. And I take your point, actually. Uh, this would have been the exact episode that you would have the revelation from Lucius in because it's the episode about finding out the killer of Bruce Wayne's parents. Um, a great revelation uh, to have the two of those characters uh, look at each other in the eye before Bruce is possibly going to pull the trigger uh, on the person who killed his parents. That's a nice little tie-up after, what, 36 episodes of the show that we finally get to see this moment. And I like that there's still a doubt in my mind, and I'm sure a lot of other Gotham fans, as to whether matches is the killer. And possibly if Bruce had been able to see the computer before he left the house on this rampage, I suppose, um, potentially there would have been a completely different answer on there. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, but really enjoyed it. and looking forward to episode 15 of Gotham next week. I think it's time to get on to the feedback, John. First up, as usual, a bit of feedback on Twitter.
1: Yeah, one of our first pieces of uh, feedback on Twitter came from Paul Edwards. He said, don't mess with the ex-Special Air Service butler. Efficient while polite. Just peachy, mate. <laughs> uh,
0: Tom Calderon says, it seems distressing that Christine Kringle had so much in taxes taken out of her paychecks.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's Officer Joe. I completely agree. Wouldn't it be total bummer if uh, you had all that tax taken out? Absolutely. I think it's what's driving Gothamites
0: insane, possibly. Maybe all the taxes that are being taken from the, uh, from the corrupt government of Gotham. <laughs>
1: uh, Jamar Green, who played Mr. Cupcake in this episode says, uh, 50 grand for a fight. You'll come back now. You're here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I think he's one of the highest paid uh, crooks in Gotham.
1: Uh, probably apart from the people that are taking
0: the taxes. Um, Dr. John Disco says, Oswald's about as sane as Alex was after his treatment in A Clockwork Orange. Uh, yeah, good reference there. We did mention in the past that the tools that Professor Strange seems to be using on Oswald are very reminiscent of Clockwork Orange. Yeah, good, good
1: point. And Media Shock UK came in with, we are looking back at Gotham and thinking, Sean Pertwee playing Alfred has to be one of the best castings ever. Couldn't agree with you more. And Catherine Haverty also says, yeah, like one of the greatest ever. No question. He's the best. It's not Gotham without some double-O Alfred. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, And going back to Paul Edwards, you know, a fantastic little fight there from uh, from
0: uh, Sean Pertwee, definitely. Absolutely. Love how love how, um, how polite he is as well during the fight too. Uh, on to a bit of Facebook feedback. Uh, Claire Payne says, Another great episode, great scenes with Bruce and Jerry. And when he confronted matches, Jim crowd surfing in the club was a very personal highlight. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how Bruce gets on with Selena living on the streets. Oswald being even more sane than before. <laughs> Bravo, Gotham. Yeah, really interesting to see how Bruce and uh, Bruce is going to be surviving the streets with Selena. It'll be really, really interesting. And obviously, Jerry absolutely loved her in this episode.
1: Definitely, another person wandering the streets, as Ben Rush says, is so. Matches is gone. I guess Joe Chill is still walking around. Then, mm-hmm. so yeah, absolutely. I mean, was Matches um, really the killer, or was he a contract killer? Or was it definitely him? There are still a few open-ended questions here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And maybe Joe Chill is still to um, come out of the uh, freeze box, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good
0: point. I like the fact that Gotham can really have its cake and eat it here. They can kind of wrap up the storyline of the murderer of the Waynes. Uh, but they can also bring in next season, perhaps, Joe Chill as the actual real killer of, of the Waynes. Or perhaps, as you mentioned earlier on, John Abesha, uh, when they break open the computer, perhaps they will find more clues to, to Joe Chill.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And finally, on um, Facebook feedback, we have uh, Doug Green says Laurie Petty was easily the best part of that episode. Absolutely love Laurie Petty in this. Um, I really hope we see her back, actually. Um, She brought something really special to the character and to the episode. I loved her interaction with both Bruce Wayne and with Jim Gordon. Really, really good.
0: Yeah, certainly. There was one nice touch that I didn't actually bring out in my points that I liked about her, that effectively her band is taking inspiration from the Maniacs. They're the ones that are playing the videos in the background of Jerome and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I like this piece because it's kind of like the punk bands in the 70s that used to take inspiration from... Um, from Charles Manson from uh, serial killers of in the in the 60s and stuff uh, and then you actually meet them and it turns out they're the politest people they're really nice people they're just taking inspiration for their music from a really terrible event. so a nice little touch there. and also one of the cool things about having this new club uh, in Gotham is that it takes the place of Fish Mooneys Club where all those wonderful bands used to play punk music from uh, from the 70s and from the 80s. Uh, this this looks like this could be a new location where we'll see some cool music being played.
1: Absolutely. Like Laurie Petty, hopefully this club will also return to uh, some of the other
0: episodes of Gotham. And actually, just another couple of notes about Laurie Petty. Claire points out to us that she was in League of Their Own. I mentioned that she's in Orange is the New Black at the moment, but she was also in League of Their Own. She's in Tank Girl, as I mentioned before. And Ben Rush points out that she was the voice of Livewire on Superman, the animated series. So a little bit of DC work from her as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, really can't wait to see her back. I have my fingers, legs and toes uh, crossed on this. Um, I thought she was excellent. Completely agree with Doug on that. We also have feedback from Natalie. Um she sent in her feedback through feedback at Gotham So if you um have any thoughts or comments about the show, please absolutely feel free to send in uh, your thoughts or comments or discussion points on any episode of Gotham. Yeah, uh, two hundred
0: and sixty Na- characters aren't always enough. So pop in a lot pop in an email to us if you want to as well. Yep.
1: She really enjoyed this episode, she said it was a really electrifying episode, lads. Uh, not only did kind of Gordon and Bullock get a break from chasing uh, some of the cases of uh, their own. But there was the the concentration of Bruce on his own chase and crusade to find uh, justice for his parents. He goes, poor Jim Gordon was also stuck uh, chasing after uh, Bruce's leads, trying to stop Bruce from killing Matches Malone. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that was one of the big points of this, I suppose, was to what extent were we going to see Bruce Kill someone and then realize, have the realization that he can't do that because he's done it. Or were you going to get the realization that he can't kill people without killing people? Yeah. And this was one of the big things about this episode. Absolutely. She also goes on to say how she really liked how Alfred took charge of the hunt, at least initially, until he he came up against uh, Cupcake. Uh, And, you know, again, that whole fatherly protective Aspect and the reasons for uh, trying to help Bruce and to keep Bruce from interfering with um, Alfred's strategy. Alfred is really looking for Bruce to, in a sense, obey him at all times. Um, he really does, at th- that first moment, take charge. And I think this is one of those slight um, tensions now uh, between Alfred and Bruce, is that Bruce is growing up. Bruce is saying it's two years since the death of um, his, his mum and dad. You can even see it just from the screen time. David Mazouz has matured from from when that initial death and scene of him screeching over his dead parents uh, in that shot to now. And so it would make sense that a child... A teenager, a kid of his age, would start to rebel against an authority figure to some extent, and in this case, Alfred is that. There is that tension of adolescence, um, from from Bruce to Alfred as well, um, as as well as the fact that. Bruce is ultimately his boss. He's not simply now under the guardianship of Alfred, you know, the, the former employee of he, of Bruce's dead mum and dad. Yeah, and um, you know, there's quite a complex relationship, and I think it's made more complex probably by now. Two years on, Bruce is also growing up. He's becoming his own thinking machine in that sense.
0: Absolutely, and he even calls himself as his sign-off in the letter to Alfred. He calls himself your good friend, Bruce. You know, he's not. He's no longer calling himself. Uh, anything else it's your good friend bruce you know uh, i'd highly recommend any of our listeners going back and checking out episode one of gotham uh, again uh, i just watched it just before we started recording i just watched that opening scene with david Mazouz, and my he has changed he really has you can tell the two years that have passed significantly he does look so young in that opening sequence for episode one, uh, kind of forgotten how young he looks there and how much older he is and how much more mature he looks now on screen in Gotham. Yes, but kind of an amazing change in the last couple of years. You can definitely see the passage of time.
1: Natalie also goes on to say then, I love Match's line where he realises that the Wayne murders made Bruce into who he is, just as Gotham made Matches into what he is. Mm -hmm. And, And the rich folk like the Waynes made Gotham. That's a nice chain that echoes throughout this episode and the Burton Batman where the young mugger Jack Napier kills the Waynes and makes Batman, and then Batman pushes the older crook Jack Napier into the chemical, into the chemical vat to make the Joker. Exactly. It's this That's chain true. of events. It's this, it's this influence of, of the environment and the society on the people who we become. It's a really important thing, um, I think in general that, this is what it's saying is that we are a product, not just simply of biology, but of our experiences, our environment, our society, and so on. Like, this is a really important thing, which we, we kind of lose, I think, these days. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I completely agree with you, Natalie, here uh, on this. Um, you know, I think she goes on to say, more importantly, the phrase, just as Gotham made me in the middle of that line helps. Bruce realized that Matches is just as damaged a person um, and is not this monster that Bruce has been making him into. And I think that's one of the other reasons why he pulls back from any kind of, uh, uh, you know, murderous uh, action that he could have taken. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, Natalie actually goes on to say, you know, for, for her, this is a perfect Gotham resolution. Bruce's initial mission for justice for his parents is partially resolved the hitman is found commits suicide before the police could make him give up his client you know so there's still that air of mystery there um and that in confronting matches malone bruce realizes that most criminals are not evil just desperate and broken Uh, and so this spurs him on then uh, as natalie goes to um to to see the criminal element where it begins among uh these down and outs and the people on the streets uh, and this really influences him to go off with Selena to go and study uh for uh the undercover part yeah of of the Batman on the street yeah. and that's, that's a huge moment um so this is a really good aspect of gotham that's really showing just th- those those missing moments between the death of thomas and martha uh, and batman becoming batman mm-hmm. you know we only see them briefly or fleetingly in, in the films and this is really starting to flesh it out quite nicely absolutely so uh, thank you so much for your feedback there natalie uh, as always it's great to get your uh, input um It's really, really good. Yep. Thanks very much for your feedback, Natalie. Yep. Remember, anyone who wants to uh, leave any feedback or comments, you can do it on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Gotham TV podcast. Mm -hmm. You can go to our Twitter handle at Gotham TV podcast or, as I indicated before, you can, you can send in a message to feedback at gothamtvpodcast.com.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Looking forward to hearing from you and looking forward to be back for episode 15 of Gotham season 2 next week.
1: Absolutely. It should be uh, really interesting. Remember, for everyone who's listening, uh, especially for those um, who are maybe just new to the the podcast, you can find us at gothamtvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes or you can search Gotham TV Podcast. Uh, on any good podcast catcher, such as Beyond Pod, Podcast Addict. and um, Please subscribe to us there, and then you'll get our feed uh, straight into your podcast catcher or iTunes. You can obviously then leave a review, which is very useful as that helps other people find our uh, podcasts. Again, um, a really good episode, and really a lot of stuff there for the history of Bruce Wayne uh, in this episode. Uh, But we will be back with you um, next week. It's been great uh, chatting again about all things Gotham. Absolutely. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Yeah, talk to you next week. Bye.
0: For being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby. This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network Production. For more information, head over to FlickeringMyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickeringmyth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.